The estate planning team is an Ohio registered investment advisor. The following is for informational purposes only and does not intend to make an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any securities or financial products. Be sure to consult with a qualified financial advice and or tax professional before implementing any strategy discussed herein. You have financial goals and dreams. We can help you achieve them. Welcome to Financial Food for Thought, the show that answers all the questions on how to maximize your lifestyle and preserve your wealth. Good morning, everyone. You found Financial Food for Thought. My name is Mark Donnelly. And I'm calling this show Taking Care of Business. Now, also, if you've been listening to our show, we are also in the month of October. We always have an underlying theme in financial planning. (laughs) What scares you? As, of course, October is the scariest month of the year. And there's lots of examples of that in the financial world. Just look at all the times the stock market turmoils happen in October. And certainly the headlines today, a lot of people are worried about a lot of things. And President Biden, you know, coming off a rough September, you know, basically where his approval ratings dropped to a new low, right? He survived and he's coming out in October and, and maybe he is taking care of business. The economy starts with you, your skills, your dreams, and your limitless potential. The only thing we've been missing is the will from Washington to finally build an economy around you, an economy that gives you and your family. A- I don't know if you heard the beginning of that. I'm cutting in. This was when he was at a conference or basically public appearance up at this north, up state up north, and his line there that I want I missed in the intro was. He saw his plan is a ticket to the middle class. So once again, we're, he is promoting his build back better plan. And he's saying how this is going to lift the lower class and rebuild America's middle class. Fighting chance to get ahead gives our country a fighting chance to compete with the rest of the world. We can't get here thinking small. We have to think big. Oh, and I've got, sorry, oh, I've got the, the robots are working overtime. They're putting in the ads. So let me try to get over that. Let me be clear. We need to prepare for 10 years down the line. That's what these bills do. Both these bills spend out over 10 years, not in the first year. So if you take the infrastructure bill, folks, it's described as a $1.2 trillion bill. What that means is that of all those investments in road, bridges, high-speed internet, water, everything else, all of it would be less than one-half of one percent of our economy each year. And it's all paid for. And they don't increase the debt because they're paid for by asking the very wealthy to begin their pay, pay their fair share. All right, there's his famous line, pay their fair share. Now, I don't know if everybody believes him that it's only going to affect the very wealthy a lot of people say no if you raise the corporate income tax rate that will trickle down and a lot of economists say no it's not necessarily going to happen like you think it will or as to the level extent you think it will because there's still competition in the, in a competitive capitalist world and so if any one company yeah if, if they have no competition in what they sell 
yeah, I guess they can pass the higher prices down. But I don't know how many actually companies in the in the world can do that. As a matter of fact, significant portion of this plan cuts taxes mm. for working people. Now, you haven't heard that too much from uh, a lot of political hacks, right? That this plan is actually a tax cut. And that was one of the things that the Democrat behind closed door meetings as they were negotiating. And they're still, you know, obviously in the midst of these negotiations on this soft infrastructure plan, the budget uh, reconciliation plan. You know, where where are they at? You know, you know, Sanders, Bernie Sanders is at the three and a half trillion. Uh, Joe Manchin's at the one and a half trillion. I think the White House is coming in somewhere between one point nine and two point three trillion. They want to, you know, trim and slash and, and get something done. But I don't know how quickly now that's going to get done. Now, they adverted the debt ceiling crisis by, you know, making a deal. And a lot of people are upset with Mitch McConnell on that. I don't know. Doesn't everybody know they weren't going to let the, the country default? But uh, but back to the, the the idea of this this infrastructure plan is a tax cut. See, that's what the Democrats behind closed doors came out and said. The Democrats aren't talking enough about that in the 30-second sound beats. So they really told all the people that are going to be interviewed on TV and, of course, President Biden's that you've got to push that. You know, get the focus off on the tax increases. Get the focus back on the tax cuts. And best of all, the cost of these bills in terms of adding to the deficit is zero. 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 I don't know if everybody believes that, that it's zero, zero, zero. Um, But that's what you're going to hear. And I made a commitment when I wrote these when I was running. No one making under $400,000 a year will see a penny in their taxes go up. That's the pledge. Uh, You know, read my lips, right? No one under $400,000. And what the House weighs and means, which is really the only serious bill that we've seen that had tax increases, we haven't seen what the Senate's going to come up with yet, right? But the House had heard to to President Biden's pledge uh, that, the, the, you know, how they defined that was that's a single person, 400000 of taxable income. And for a married filing jointly, that means 450000 of taxable income. So all their tax proposals, you know, other than, well, obviously the corporations have their own tax increases, but for individuals... Yes, they they stuck to that. They said, yeah, this is only going to affect if that married finally jointly is over $450,000. That's why we've been talking about on this show. Now, again, we have to wait to see what the Senate comes up with, and they're still negotiating that. And I don't know how quickly we're going to get that answer. I think think the Senate's on recess next week, of of all things. But anyway, so we might not get something before Thanksgiving. But in either case... We said you might not want to have to change your financial plan quite yet because even if some of these do get progressive tax increases get passed, it might not affect you. That's why in the infrastructure bill, there is no gas tax increase because people making under 400 would have to pay more. It's simple. You're working here at this facility. Your spouse is a teacher or firefighter. There's no reason why combined why millionaires and billionaires in this country should be paying at a lower tax rate than you do. Hear me again now. A lower tax rate. Police officer, a teacher. He's kind of losing steam now. And a nurse. It's getting near the end. They paid a higher tax rate. A higher tax rate. I think he just woke himself up. Major corporations in America and the super wealthy. Look, it isn't right. Is it right that 55 of the largest corporations in America in this country, and I come from the corporate capital of the world, more people, more corporations are incorporated in the state of Delaware than all every other state combined. Well, you know, that's an interesting point. And the reason it's, it's kind of a ironic point, because President Biden and Democrats are for raising taxes, right? Well, Delaware, why there are most corporations incorporated in Delaware is because of the low state taxes. <laughs> Duh, that's why they go there. There's no state income tax for a Delaware company that conducts business out of the state. There's no inheritance tax on stock held by a non-Delaware you know, resident. Uh, there's no state sales tax on intangible personal property, like if you're getting a royalty payment. 
that, so it's because of the state tax cuts is why Delaware is the corporation capital of the world. But I, whatever. Do you know how much those 55 companies? I could go on more than that. They made over $40 billion and they paid zero, zero There's that federal income tax. Did he lift that line from, from Animal House? Uh, Since the pandemic began, the number of billionaires, and I forget the exact number there are in America. Well, that number, Joe, by the way, would probably be about 614. I think there's about 614 billionaires in America right now. Um, now, the amount of millionaires is really up there. I think there's, you know, I think there's over 18 million millionaires. Um, but uh, let's go on. Have seen their wealth go up collectively by $1 trillion. Right, so there's another ad, so I'll cut it off there. So we'll see. So President Biden's doing his best to get people behind his Build Back Better plan. Of course, we, we, it's a stalemate in, in, in the Democratic caucus, you know, how they're, they're going to do it. And they're trying to trim and slash to get the 3.5 down to, you know, round two. Manchin says he's not moving from 1.5 trillion, but who knows? Nancy Pelosi is saying that the House moderates or centrists, they, they would prefer, you know, if they have to go downward in, in cost, they would prefer smaller number of programs for a longer number of years. Years, um, Where the very progressive left, it, they, have a, they have a different idea. They would rather maintain as many of the programs as possible that they have in the $3.5 trillion package, but for a shorter period of time. So they're thinking as if we can get these things passed and Americans get hooked on them, these entitlement, these additional entitlement programs, then even though we're saying they, they don't last for 10 years, they only last for five years, that they'll be extended, right, and, and, and go on and once they're embedded in, in, in the country. Um, now the White House, they're listening to both sides and trying to decide what they're going to do. And that's where we get started this morning. So, again, my name is Mark Donnelly. Thank you for joining us. This is Financial Food for Thought. Show you here every Saturday morning at 9 a.m. Actually, you know, we're taping the show on Friday morning. And it's brought to you by the estate planning team. And the estate planning team is a fiduciary planning company. We've been helping Cleveland families build custom financial plans for over 35 years and we do it one plan one family at a time and if you'd like to get a hold of us uh, our home office number is 440-239-2090 that's 440-239-2090 you can also visit our financialfoodforthought.com website we've got lots of information on there articles of financial interest calculators uh, we've got, uh, you can listen to our previous podcasts of these show. There's a link button there as well as you can sign up for a consultation. Uh, so you can either visit the financialfoodforthought.com or call us at 440-239-2090. And in either case, uh, someone will get back to you, um, when you leave a message and we can get you scheduled. Now, the other thing that we're talking about in October is you know you know what are you scared of and you know are you were you scared of higher income tax laws being passed are you are you terrified of the market right now you think we're you know the next economic downturn is is right around the corner we've we've seen some recent volatility um or we're you know are you now a bit relieved that they so far the we've kind of gotten over some of the September hurdles. You know, the government did not shut down. We're not going to, you know, they got the, you know, the, the bargain deal to raise the debt ceiling. So, but there are a lot of other things. The other thing we, you know, are you getting prepared for year-end planning? Or does that type of planning scare you? Meaning that you don't even know how to get started. So throughout the month of October, um, we'll talk, we'll be talking, I'll be doing case reviews about how we help clients and how we've been doing it for decades, how we help them approach year-end planning. And, and what's in year-end planning? Well, that's the idea of saying, um, 
especially I think it's it becomes more important if you're in retirement or you're going into retirement very soon. The idea that are you taking you know your how are you planning your IRA distributions or your cash flow in retirement or do you have a required minimum distribution that you don't want to miss or do you have enough taxes paid in or do you have to make a withholding election on your required minimum distribution um, or you know are you looking to say hey I don't I'm not in a required minimum distribution yet that's not you know there's a new rule that's age 72 but I'm retired and I'm in a pretty good tax bracket, I'm thinking about doing a Roth IRA conversion. And what, how do I go about that? So these are some of the case reviews we'll be working on and talking about on this show in the month of October. Yeah. So, so where did we hear that zero, zero, zero that President Biden? Mr. Blutowski. Zero point zero. There you go. I think that's where Joe Biden lifted that. I've never heard him say that, explain the infrastructure package that way, that it's a zero, zero, zero tax effect. And nor do I think there's a whole lot of Americans believe them, believe him that it's a zero, zero, zero um, as we, you know, well, but time will tell. So we got some data this week, and, and it's always the first week of the month. We get the triple data witching, you know, regarding jobs in America. And this is a big deal because a lot of people are scared that the Federal Reserve is going to mess up on this soft landing. In other words, when are they going to start tapering the bond purchases, or even more importantly, when are they going to start raising interest rates to offset an inflation that maybe is no longer as transitory as they first led us to believe? And certainly, Fed Chairman Powell is on the hot seat, and so are some of his other cohorts at the central banks. So everyone now, I think everybody is prepared that they're going to start tapering in November. I mean, I think he made that pretty clear, and a lot of people were going to say, "Yeah, but what? Let's see where the jobs." So again, first week of the month, we got the ADP on Wednesday. They, you know, that was an upside surprise. That was good news. The new jobs in September came in about 568,000, beating the economist estimate of 430,000. Solid beat. Then, you know, on Thursday, we had the weekly jobless claims. You know, this is going the other direction. This is jobless claims. Um, that came in positive. You know, 326,000. Uh, the best estimate was about 345,000. So that and it was a and it was previous it was a drop from the previous week. Remember, we have been talking about the weekly jobless claims because for I think three weeks straight it was going up. It was going the wrong direction. You know, everyone thought, well, wait a second. You know, going into September, uh, we should be okay because everyone's back in school and the moms go back to work and the federal extra unemployment benefits ending and people are going to have to go back to work and there's a job there's a job wanted in, 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 signed in every store window in America anyone who wants to work no problem getting a job as a matter of fact there's probably no problem getting a better job opening up your job for somebody else so that was kind of stymied why we saw those weekly job schemes so it kind of reversed this week and that was good news. And then that got us to the jobs report that came out this morning. As I said, you know, we're taping the show on Friday morning. And that was a downside problem. All right, a downside surprise. You know, now the, the range from the experts was all over the board. The medium range where they were looking about 480 to 500,000 new non-farm payrolls. The upper end of the range was 750,000. And there were some economists out there who were saying the lower range is zero. <laughs> back, to, back to President Biden's uh, you know, midterm uh, zero, zero, zero. Um, I loved Animal House movie. You know, and it's funny, too, because a lot of the millennials today have never seen it. And, and they've, they've seen clips of it, and they know Belushi was in it. And they kind of, but I don't know how many of them watched it from beginning to end and really to get the flavor of that movie. I think you have to watch it from beginning to end. Um, but back to the jobs report. So 
that came in at 194,000. Ouch. That was very disappointing. And nobody knows why, because the, the strange thing too, is that actually the unemployment rate dropped to 4.8% below 5%. And, and that was a surprise. So I, I really haven't enough time to analyze this and because it makes no sense to me. So unemployment's down to 4.8, but yet the new non-farm payrolls was only 194,000. Now, a lot of people say, is, is that still, is that enough? Is that, a, is the long of it's above zero, you know, is that enough to keep the green light on for the Fed to taper in November? Well, we'll see. So the, the data is kind of all over the board. So if you're scared about the impending inflation, you know, let's talk about that. You know, if you're scared that the infrastructure package is going to be passed and your taxes are going to go up, let's look at that. Let's not make knee-jerk reactions. Let's use good financial planning models where we can run different scenarios that we can show you, yeah, if you do believe inflation is going up, then let's run a plan R, meaning you've got your base case running. A plan R is a, is a recession or a recovery or a, a more, you know, more worst case scenario. And maybe in that plan, you say, what happens if inflation isn't as transitory and we do see higher inflation? Now, you can say forever. And I don't know how realistic that is. Or you could say maybe for the next couple of years, especially if in the next couple of years you have something major going on in your life financially. It could be your planned retirement date, could be a major purchase, a new home, a new automobile, could be college education um, or some other big you know, financial decision you have to make that you're worried that you have to put that on the back burner or postpone it or cancel it completely because you're worried that the in, the inflation is going to ruin your retirement. Well, instead of just sitting home worrying about it, why don't you be more active than that and let's work in on a plan that says, yeah, what a, you know, because in a weird way, if we do have higher inflation over the next few years, or permanently, if that's the way you want to run it. This is your plan, not mine. So, you know, if you want to run it forever, okay, let's run it forever. The idea is what you're really looking for. It doesn't, it doesn't make you financially desolate tomorrow or the next year. What really you're looking for is the long-term effect that higher inflation has on the longevity of your plan. In other words, if you were saying, Mark, I want my plan lasting to age 90, 95, do I hear 100? And you're saying, I, you know, I don't want my investments running out before life. So how does the inflation on my expenses draw down my nest egg to the point where the longevity is being jeopardized? And then at that point, you're saying, okay, maybe you do have to make an adjustment. It doesn't mean you've got to change your life right now. It doesn't mean you have to work for 10 more years. Those are knee-jerk reactions, right? It doesn't mean you have to cancel your riverboat cruise. It just means that you have to, you have to continue to work on it and make the adjustments to get back on track. Maybe that means you can't retire tomorrow. Maybe it means you can retire six months from now. Or maybe it means you can get out of the rat race and get away from the 60-hour-a-week you know, crunch and work part-time, an encore career or a hobby career, something like that. Or it means the, you can't do the $10,000 travel for the next 15 years in retirement, but maybe you could do 8000 for the next 15 years. Or maybe you could do 10000 for the next six years. You know, that that's the power of running a, a good financial plan that you can go. Now, the other thing, too, as I mentioned, is this is the time of year we get really busy with our clients working on year-end planning and getting ready and saying, okay, we got the, you know, most of the year's done. Hopefully the surprises are out of the way. And you're wondering, hey, do I have room, like, like on my tax return, or how, to make a maneuver that can help me in future years? And a lot of that... In, in we've been doing it for a long time, you know, but talking about Roth IRA conversions and Roth IRA conversions, again, not separate from Roth IRA contributions. Remember, there's two ways you can get money into a Roth IRA. And, and today we even have to expand that and include 
401ks that that offer a traditional and a Roth option. So it's even expanding in that manner. But for the radio show purposes, I'm going to be kind of talking about Roth IRAs, not 401k Roths. So Roth IRA conversions, right? Um, and there's this is the idea that you're saying, I've got a money already in an IRA, and maybe I'm not required to take any money out yet. Not you know the new required minimum distribution date of 72. Maybe you're retired and you need to take money out because you don't have a pension. So your IRA is, is that, but let's say you do have a pension or let's say you don't need money out of your IRA for cash flow, and you're still in a pretty good tax bracket. You may say, Hey, would a Roth conversion make sense for me? Because I'm electing to get money out of my IRA right now because I'm in a good tax bracket. And I'm going to convert it over to Roth IRA. Now you got to pay the taxes to do that, right? But once it's in my Roth IRA, now it gets the tax-free treatment forever. And again, if you're worried about future required minimum distributions getting too high or trapping you in retirement, if you're perhaps worried that your income tax rates are going to be going up in the future, either by what the Democrats are proposing right now or when President Trump's lower tax rates expire in the year 2025. And you think, hey, I'm going to take a hedge against a higher income tax rate in the future, so I'd rather convert my IRA to Roth now while I'm enjoying the lower brackets, and then if they do raise income tax rates later on, I'll I'm coming out of Roth IRA. Doesn't matter. Um, also, by theoretically, if you're moving money from your IRA to your Roth IRA before RMDs, right, then you're theoretically lowering your future required minimum distributions because the money isn't in the IRA. All the growth between now and 72 is not in your IRA. So it's all in the Roth IRA, which if it's your Roth IRA, there are no required minimum distributions. You don't have to take money out of your Roth IRA if you don't want to. Um, so there, so those are the reasons why so many people have been actively doing Roth conversions really since 2010. Remember, prior to 2010, if you had modified adjusted gross income of over $100,000 on your tax return, you weren't allowed to do a Roth conversion. All right. Um, that cap was lifted by Congress in 2010. And that, along with the idea, especially when President Trump, um, basically his 2017 tax act, which doubled the federal state tax exemption, you know, the current federal state tax exemption under Trump's tax law is 11.7 million. And couples get two of those. Right. It's a far cry, by the way, when, uh, it, you know, one time the federal state tax exemption was 600,000. But the idea of, of Roth conversions, when, when, when the federal state tax exemption went so high, that eliminated that exposure to 99.9% of the families in this country. So it was no longer a problem having a lot of money stored up in a Roth IRA at death. See, prior to that, if, if a lot of wealthy families, they say, well, Mark, what good is it me, me paying more income tax to convert to a Roth IRA if at the time of my death, meaning the time it's going to the kids and you know, if it's the time, the second death, if you're married, the idea is if it has to go through a 50% estate tax grinder before my kids get to take it out of the Roth IRA tax free. So, so, but when the federal state tax exemption was raised so high and that was no longer a risk, then a lot of people say, yeah, this, this makes perfect sense to me. I'm in a low, you know, especially if you're in that window period between you've retired and all the wages have ended, you don't have a pension. Perhaps you are uh, sitting on and waiting, deferring your social security to age 70 to get the 8% deferred credits. And in between, and, 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 and you're in a good tra tax bracket and you've got enough cash flow from other purposes, or you build up a cash reserve going into retirement, which is a lot of things we talk about on this show. The idea is saying, I am going to do a Roth conversion while I've got this window of opportunity and that and it, 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 if I live a long time it, it's going to help me because I'll get the benefit of the tax-free growth but even in the end if I 
you know, leaving a Roth IRA to my kids, at least it's under the new rules where they have to take it out in 10 years. Remember the stretch IRA, IRA was gone with the secure act of 2019. You know, if they have to, if they have, if, if I leave them a big IRA and they have to get it out in 10 years, that could be very taxing to them. You know, again, if I'm leaving them a Roth IRA, it still have to get out in 10 years, but at least the distributions would be tax free. Um, now there are, you know, lots of rules about Roth IRAs. And one of them that is interesting and sometimes hard to, you know, get a concept of is that mo most people are aware of the five-year holding rule. In other words, if you make a Roth IRA contribution, you need to earn ages, you know, you need earned wages to do that, by the way. You know, you have to wait five years before you can get the earnings out tax-free. Right. But and when you're making or talking about contributions, Roth IRA contributions, there's only one five year holding period in your lifetime. So let's say you're working for 20 years when you start your Roth IRA contributions, you only have one five year holding period. That's why a lot of times you'll hear a professional say, hey, just get a Roth IRA contribution going, even if you put $10 in, at least to get that five year holding period going. But under the complexity of the U.S. tax code, when Congress wrote the rules about Roth conversions, they left it where each year you do a Roth IRA conversion starts a new five-year holding period for that to get those earnings out tax-free. Now, again, I'm, I always say I'm not here to defend the simplicity, logic, or fairness of the U.S. tax code. I'm just here talking about the rules. So you have to kind of keep track of the conversions and when you're doing them and when the five-year holding period is over. Now, it's not the end of the world because a lot of people say, well, Mark, you know, what if I do a Roth conversion in retirement and I need that money before five years? Well, the rule is just stating that the earnings on the conversion can't come out tax-free for five years. Again, I'm assuming you're over 59 and a half. You can always get your basis out. In other words, when you convert $10,000 in an example of an IRA to a Roth IRA, you pay taxes on that 10000 so on the conversion. So that becomes your basis. That's after tax now in your Roth IRA. You can always get that money out right away tax-free because the law allows you to take your after-tax basis out of your Roth IRA first. All right. So that gives, so that may give you, but but it still stands to to mention that, yeah. I mean, normally you you probably are not going to want to do a Roth IRA conversion if you need the money right away. I mean, you might as well just when you take it out of the IRA, you might as well just put it into your uh, your cash reserve if if that's what you if you think you're going to need it right away. Um, a lot of people know too that or I get comments, well, Mark, I thought once my required minimum distribution start, again, under the current law, age 72, that I can no longer do Roth conversions. Well, that's not technically correct. Um, you know, the, the, you can still do Roth conversions if you have a required minimum distribution. The law just says you can't convert your required minimum distribution to Roth. Okay, so let's say your required minimum distribution was 10000 well, you have to get that done first, you know, in the year. And so you get that done and that satisfies your required minimum distribution for the year. Now, if you want to do an additional IRA distribution on top of the required minimum, that can be converted to Roth IRA. Right. Um, a lot of people say, well, Mark, I thought the Democrats were going to do away with Roth conversions. Well, again, this is the headline shock risk, right? You know, that yes, the, the, the House Ways and Means in their proposal, they did want to curtail the use of Roth IRAs, but again, for the very wealthy. All right. So what they what what the really what they were proposing doing is saying that, yeah, if you were making in a year over that 400,000 single or 450,000 married filing jointly. Um, you would not be able to do a Roth IRA conversion. In other words, kind of putting a cap back on, like the cap that was on prior to 2010. But by the way, even in their proposal, they said that would not start for 10 more years. 
giving people pretty much heads up saying, yeah, if, if we're going to change this rule, you may have 10 years to continue to do the Roth conversions. So th- th- these are the things that we try to help our clients understand. And one of the things that we always tell people, you know, Roth conversions, we've run thousands of Roth conversion analyses for, I remember Roth came in in what, 1998, Senator William Roth, God rest his soul. But the, so we've been running conversion analysis and it doesn't, we're not here to say that everybody out there should be doing a Roth conversion. Now we may say everybody out there should at least be looking at it. And also though, a lot of times we get the question, well, Mark, how do I, how do I do it? I mean, it, it, it's, it's the mechanical. It's like, Mark, I don't even know how to do it. And that's a good point. In other words, see, from a, from a professional standpoint, that's the easy part, <laughs> the easy part, because, because the professionals have been doing Roth conversions forever. They're doing hundreds, uh, you know, of them. they've done thousands over the year. So to them, you know, it's just new to you. And, 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 the, on, and if you've never done anything before, you know, it's always scary. And it's always, am I doing the right thing? Am I crossing the T's? Am I dying the I's? I've heard horror stories. And certainly if you read tax court cases, there's been plenty of horror stories around RMDs and, and Roth conversions and all, and all these things. That's why I can't stress enough good coordinated effort, right? between advisors. Um, but a little things, you know, you know, that you would say, so in other words, if you're going from an IRA and you want to do a Roth conversion, it's got to wind up at some point in a Roth IRA, right? So the first thing is, do you have both accounts already set up? So let's say you're working with custodian A or investment advisor A, and maybe you have an IRA with that investment advisor. Do you also have they set up for you yet a Roth IRA? So if they haven't done that yet, that's the first step. You know, it's working together and saying, yeah, I want to convert my IRA to Roth IRA. Now, let's say that's not the case. Let's say you've got a situation where you've got your Roth IRA set up, but that's at custodian B or investment advisor B, and that's the one you want to populate. But you don't have an IRA at custodian B. Your only IRA left is at custodian A. So now you have to go from custodian A's IRA to custodian B's Roth IRA. Well, that's a bit more tricky. And this is where some of the horror stories that you might have heard about come into play. Because it's, it's kind of tricky going, you know, because you're kind of, if you're trying to go directly from an IRA to a Roth IRA, you're kind of switching tax wrappers in the, in, in the, in the web, in the, in the, in the cloud. Because there's one tax treatment when it's an IRA, it's a separate tax treatment when it's a Roth IRA. And a lot of times that's where the problems come in. I mean, sometimes it's a problem where if you are, um, you know, you, it doesn't get set up the right way. It, 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 misses, the, it misses the timing or it's what you're trying to get done doesn't get done. So a lot of times we say it's easier and more straightforward. And I guess what I'm saying is the timing, meaning that it, there's a, it adds a cr- tremendous amount of time element involved. If you have to work with custodian B to do all the paperwork that they've got to send to custodian A and custodian A doesn't want to depart with the money. I can't imagine why. So they sit on it. It sits on somebody's in inbox for a week or two till you call up and say, Hey, did you ever get the paperwork from custodian B? I kind of want to get this going. Oh yes, Mr. Smith, we're going to get right on it. I, that never happens, right? No, that never happens. But so, so if, it, if it's all at the same custodian, that doesn't happen. Because the custodian A can quickly do it, and, and because it's all in the, under their camp, so to speak, under their umbrella. Um, so, but all, also a lot of times, what it may be recommended is if you are, if you definitely have to, you know, you just want to get the money out of custodian A's IRA, and you want to definitely be in custodian B's Roth IRA, make you sometimes it's recommended that you make it a two-step transaction to relieve the timing element and potential errors in the paperwork, meaning that you first just do an IRA rollover. You know, so you do an IRA rollover from custodian A to custodian B's IRA. 
And then once that rollover is completed, so now the IR, it's still an IRA status at custodian B, but now you instruct custodian B to convert it to Roth IRA. So the actual conversion process is still taking place at the same custodian. Because if the, if the IRS ever challenges it or you, you're worried about the paperwork, whatever, you, you can actually go back and the, and, the, and the actual conversion process from IRA to Roth IRA has taken place at the same custodian. And that may save you headaches down the line. All right. So you're listening to Mark Donnelly, and this is Financial Food for Thought, brought to you by the estate planning team. And if you'd like to get a hold of us, if you want to get help in understanding year-end planning, if you're scared, if that's one of the things that scare you about doing a Roth conversion, or if you're doing the right amount or not enough amount, or how to handle the taxes and how that's going to affect your taxes, give us a call. We certainly can help our clients. We've been helping clients for over 35 years. And the phone number is 440 440- Two three nine two zero nine zero. That's four four zero two three nine twenty ninety. Or visit us at financialfoodforthought.com. That's one string, lowercase, financialfoodforthought.com. And you can sign up for consultation there. You can see uh, some of our materials that we have on there, and and ask for. And if you're coming in for a consultation now, if you if you if you want to work on year end planning yet this year, you've got to hurry up. Because one of the things that happens is the country gets bottlenecked at the end of the year. And because there's so many baby boomers who are now dealing with RMDs and looking at Roth conversions that the the custodians get backed up. And a lot of times they start giving drop dead dates, meaning saying if you want to make sure that we get your your IRA distribution or RMD distribution or a Roth conversion done timely by December 31st, you have to have the paperwork on to us by a certain date. And that date is getting earlier every year. And so the point is you have to get your ducks in in a row in line before you just jump in and do the Roth conversion. So how about a case review? Now, again, I probably don't have enough time to address this whole case review today. So we'll keep it going into next week. But just to give you an idea of what, how we help our clients work with this year in planning. So we have a situation where the client executed, he retired a number of years ago, and he executed an NUA, that's net unrealized appreciation. If you're not familiar with that, that's just the idea that if you have a 401k and inside the 401k, you hold your own company stock, right? And if that's the case, you may have this very favorable tax treatment available to you where when you sever from the company or take money out of the 401k, let's say you just plan on rolling the 401k to an IRA. The idea is that before you do that, you have an opportunity of taking the company stock out in kind. And you, and that comes in. And now normally, of course, you know, anytime you take money out of a qualified plan, whether it be a 401k or an IRA, it comes out as ordinary taxable income, right? There's no benefit of long-term capital gains or qualified dividends or any of that good stuff, right? But under this maneuver, you get some of that back. So under an NUA maneuver, what it allows you to do, the law allows you to do is say you take the stock out and let's say... Let's just say, in my example, you have uh, $50,000 of company stock value, but what did you pay for it? So a lot of that may be appreciation. You might have been working for the company for a long time, and you were buying stock every paycheck, right? And so you were buying at, at, at the, the cost of what the fair market value was of the shares of, the, of your company when you bought it. So you, let's say your basis is $10,000, but the value is $50,000, so you had this $40,000 of appreciation. Well, what the NUA allows you to do is you move that stock out in kind to a, a separate account, not an IRA. This would be a non-qualified account, but you only have to pay ordinary income tax on the basis. So in this example, that'd be 10000 Now you've got the all 50000 of the stock out in a brokerage account. Now you can diversify or use that for retirement. But now when you sell the stock to raise the cash flow or diversify, you are now paying long-term capital gains tax rates on the appreciation, not ordinary income tax rates. Also, if you want to hold on to it, now that because it's not in an IRA or in the 401k, there's no required minimum distribution. And by the way, if your company stock is paying a dividend, now that it's outside the 401k plan, you are getting the lower qualified dividend rate. Again, taxed at the 
lower ca- a long-term capital gains tax rate. So it's a great maneuver. Not doesn't work for everybody. You have to, you know, again, certainly cross the T's and dot the I's. A lot of coordination. Coordination be- between your plan administrator, coordination between uh, your investment advisor, uh, coordination between your tax preparer. Um, so, but anyway, so this client, he had done that a number of years ago. So now we're in a couple of years after that, we're in, he's in retirement. So every year now we're saying, okay, what is he going to do now in his situation? There was basically three main things that kept, you know, revolving in terms of what his priorities were in his planning. Um, well, three or four, maybe one is of course, he's got to create his cash flow in retirement. All right. So, because he doesn't have a pension, Right. And he's not planning on starting Social Security to age 70 so he can get those deferred credits. So in the meantime, he's got to plan his cash flow. That's always, you know, number one. Um, a second one is he he needs to diversify that company stock. He knows he's in an overweighted position. And, of course, every investment advisor in the world out there is going to say is tell him that, you know, you, you've got too much of your nest egg in one company, even though, you know, your company, you, you it's it's I know you, you think it's never going to go down. But, you know, just ask the National City folks about that issue. Another kind of a side goal or objective in retirement is, is that he, they're very charitably inclined. So one of they they had opened a, a donor advised fund a DAF and they're looking to fund that on an ongoing basis, and then the the third really or the fourth I guess major part of this goal was that yes he was interested in Roth IRA conversions they did have between the two of them they did have a large amount of their nest egg in tax qualified positions even after the NUA stock that came out. But again, that stock came out. It did lower their, you know, their uh, IRA balance. But they still are saying this could trap them in retirement, and it could, you know, their future required minimums could shoot their taxes over a threshold that they don't want to go through. And they they had a pretty good idea that they probably were never going to spend their entire IRA. Now maybe if they live to 110 and they you know, both wind up in nursing homes for 20 years, maybe they would. And generally, they think, hey, we're leaving this to the kids. There's enough there that's going to go to the kids. We're not going to spend it all. So they're concerned when, you know, with the new 10-year rule that that would put a big tax burden on their kids. So they were interested in a Roth conversion uh, process. Um, so, so we said, okay, well, we can set up different tax pro formas, we call them. In other words, let's run different scenarios and we're working with their CPA every year now and we're running these different scenarios where we're playing what if games but now but first of all you got to take the priority of those goals and objectives one of course as I said is always their cash flow needs they want to maintain a certain level of lifestyle in retirement now part of the process leading up to retirement is that we they you know followed our recommendation that where they had built up a nice cash reserve going into retirement because if you have a nice cash reserve that's your first defense you know against a market downturn where you if you start distributions in retirement for your cash flow and there's a major economic downturn and you've got to sell your stocks while they're low that hurts right so also if you're saying that you have a, if you have a certain amount of cash reserve that you can rely on to provide some of your cash flow, there's a less of a tax hit that you could have coming out of the IRA. So all these things are what you have to keep track of. And I know you said, Mark, that sounds like a lot. Well, it's a lot because you've never done it before. Um, but when, but when you get, as you go through a couple of cycles and you get into the uh, planning m- mode, so to speak, you start realizing how you plan every year. And, and, and one of the rules we always, you know, mention to our new clients is that, by the way, what you did last year to raise your cash flow is not maybe what you're going to do this year and is not maybe going to what you do next year. See, that's where I think some people get confused. They think they do a financial plan once and they put into a sock drawer for 30 years. No, it, it doesn't really work that way. So we're, I'll go through this more next, next uh, show 
about how we worked out their goals and objectives and how we utilized and how we zeroed in on some of the favorable tax treatment. I already talked about the NUA. That got him off to a good start. And now we'll show you how he's using that stock now that's outside and how he's using the zero long-term capital gains rate. Remember, married filing jointly for 2021, you can have up to you know $80,000 uh, of, of, uh, while you're still $80,800 and you're still in the zero capital gain rate, long-term capital gain and the zero long-term dividend rate. So, and that's taxable income. So if, if you're itemizing or at least a higher standard of deduction, that's more, you know, that, that is used. So you, you could say, yeah, I may, I may be able to create a hundred thousand dollars of cash flow to support my retirement and still be in a zero long-term capital gains tax rate. And maybe you ought to be looking at that. And, 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 and then where you'll see this, this case go also is, not only that aspect of it, but if you are in a zero, in other words, this client, what he found is that basically they could meet their lifestyle needs in retirement and still not max out their 0%. And so now he's saying, well, maybe, why wouldn't I do a Roth conversion to max out zero? You know, too many times I hear a professional when they're asked, hey, should I be doing a Roth conversion? There's a quick answer back and saying, oh, no, I'm not really big on Roth conversions. I don't see why, you know, you, you, know, you would do that. Well, there's could be lots of reasons why you may do that. Though I just mentioned a very popular one. If you're in a zero bracket, maybe you want to do a Roth conversion to max out zero. Uh, show me the illogic of that. Um, so again, we'll talk more about this case next week on the show. I know I'm running out of time here. Just the other thing too, don't look now, but we're coming up to October 15th. So if you haven't filed your tax return yet, if you're under extension, you got to get that done by next Friday. That's number one. And two, if what scares you in October is Medicare open enrollment and, you know, trying to choose between Medicare plan options or Medicare supplemental options or Medicare advantage options. Maybe this is your first year or maybe you're going to be going on Medicare in another year and you're, and you're scared or you're not, you're worried and you're not sure how to navigate that. So also at this time of the year, we talk about the ABCs of Medicare and how, you know, give you a little bit of upfront knowledge. Now, I know a lot of you, if you are even close to age 65, which is the Medicare eligibility, right? You're probably being inundated with the uh, mailings from all the cottage industry companies who are dying to help you make your Medicare decisions. But what, what we find in a lot of our clients, they say, Mark, who do I trust? I don't even know the basics. I don't even know what questions to ask. So we'll be talking about that as well. All right. I hear the music. Time to get out of here. Hope everybody has a good week and go Browns. Tune in next week for more financial food for thought. For more information about the show, for estate planning or upcoming seminars, call the estate planning team at 440-239-2090. Thanks for listening.